Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest is scheduled for your listening pleasure. Making his way to the ring, your host of the Turnbuckle Topics Podcast, here's Pat Dunning. And what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Turnbuckle Topics Podcast. I am your host, Pat Dunning, and this is Pat's Weekly Report. Now, although typically this is strictly no ifs, ands, or buts about it, a professional wrestling podcast, I'd be absolutely remiss to not bring up not one, not two, not three, but all four of the football games that took place this past weekend. All four of them were great. It went down to the wire. A lot of them didn't go the way I anticipated or would have liked, but nonetheless, great football games. Honestly, one of the best postseasons I ever recall up until this point. So, you know, before we get to the professional wrestling, of course, um, go through Monday Night Raw, NXT, Dynamite, a little bit of Impact, uh, SmackDown, and Rampage, a little bit of news throughout the week uh, that we had heard and seen and, you know, want to discuss, uh, touch upon a little bit. First, we got to get to the NFL because uh, I just, I just got to start the week off right. So here we are, Monday, January 24th. And let's take it back to Saturday evening, shall we? The Bengals visiting the number one uh, ranked in the AFC, Tennessee Titans. I was personally pulling for the Titans. Um, last couple of postseasons, they uh, just came up short. You know, they had some great momentum throughout the course of the season, and I thought they were going to continue that, but they were stopped short by the Cincinnati Bengals hitting a field goal at the end of that game to win 19-16. So, Again, happy for the Bengals. Um, you know, they haven't really seen much postseason success in years, uh, decades, really, so I'm not mad at that. That took us to our second game of the night, Saturday night. It was the San Francisco 49ers taking a trip to Lambeau Field. I believe the whole second half, it was snowing like crazy. I mean, you would have thought that this is ultimately what the Packers want. You know, the fans had their cheese heads on. They're amped up. Aaron Rodgers is rocking the long hair. I said, this is the time he's finally going to get over that hump, uh, potentially be on his way to another Super Bowl, first Super Bowl in over a decade uh, since they won the, what, 2010 or 2011 against the Steelers, and this is at the time. However, Packers came up short, again, similar fashion to the first game. 49ers beat them by a field goal at the end of regulation to win 13-10. to And Sunday's games, they did not disappoint either. Um, relatively high-scoring game. Uh, at least comparatively speaking to the two games that we saw Saturday between the Rams visiting the defending Super Bowl champion uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium. The Rams beat them 30-27. to I mean, what an absolute battle. At one point, I believe the, the Buccaneers were down 27-3, something along those lines. And quite honestly, with about five minutes to go, Brady was just doing Tom Brady things and in the blink of an eye, they had two touchdowns, but the Rams were very resilient. Uh, Stafford and the boys got down there. They got a field goal, and um, the rest is history. So the Rams will be hosting the NFC Championship game on Sunday. And the fourth and final game, uh, what a way to cap off an amazing weekend of football. We had the Buffalo Bills visiting uh, Arrowhead Stadium, going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. 
who they came up short against uh, last year in the AFC Championship game. you got to remember, the Kansas City Chiefs have been in the last three AFC Championship games, uh, last two Super Bowls, and then they won a Super Bowl two years ago against the 49ers, of course. So they're trying to make their way to their fourth AFC Championship. Not only are they trying to make it to it, but they're trying to host their fourth AFC Championship, and that they did. I mean, the Bills hung in there throughout the course of this game. It looked like at one point they were obviously going to win. I mean, uh, towards the end of the game, there was 4th and 13, and Josh Allen hit Davis, got the two-point conversion, and it looked like they had this game with about roughly 13 seconds or so. Uh, Davis is setting all kinds of records. I believe he set a record for uh, the most NFL uh, postseason touchdowns, if I'm not mis- mistaken, in one game for with four touchdowns, I believe. So it looked good. And then, of course, Pat Mahomes doing what Pat Mahomes does, got them down there in about two plays. Uh, they kicked a 49-yard field goal, I believe. And now we're headed to overtime, 36-36. Excuse me. Coin toss, Josh Allen picks tails, it's heads, Casey's ball, and the rest is history. They march their way right down the field. You can see Allen on the sidelines, completely dejected, seeing the handwriting on the wall, quite frankly. And there you have it. Uh, You know, Kansas City Chiefs won the game. Got a touchdown, 42-36. to 36. Uh, Mahomes uh, connected with uh, Travis Kels. And that's that. So on Sunday, January 30th, we have the AFC Championship game up first. We got the Bengals at the Chiefs. And then that's, yeah, that's a 3 o'clock game. And then 6.30 Sunday, we have the San Francisco 49ers going up against the Los Angeles Rams. Now, <clears throat> That will be taking place at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, of course. That is also going to be the very same location for this year's uh, Super Bowl 56, which is also quite ironic because uh, if L.A. is able to take down 49ers uh, this coming Sunday, that would be the second year in a row that we see a uh, the, the host of the Super Bowl have their team in it. Obviously, last year we saw Tampa Bay... Uh, being at Raymond James and not only being in the big game but winning it, so uh, I don't know. I really don't have a favorite um, out of these four. To be honest, the the four teams I kind of was leaning towards I, or wanted to win was the Titans and the Packers and the Bucks and the Bills, and none of that happened. But it's okay because it was a great weekend of football, so I got to revisit who I really want. I'm thinking I'm leaning towards the Bengals because they haven't done much in years, so I wouldn't mind seeing them in it. And I'm kind of like leaning towards. Uh, the Rams out of the NFC, just because, again, wouldn't mind seeing the uh, the home team have that advantage and potentially win. How cool would that be? Back-to-back years, uh, it just so happens that the host of the Super Bowl has their team in it, and oh, by the way, they won the big game. Found that to be kind of cool, and you got to remember that next year, WrestleMania 39 will also be uh, taking place in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium, where I also believe we will see the Rock, maybe we'll finally get that uh, head of the table, Roman Reigns versus the great one, The Rock, uh, out there. So, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, shout out to each and every one of those teams uh, that, that played Saturday and Sunday. Amazing weekend of football, regardless of the outcome. It's just so crazy that the first three games, um, you know, not only did every team uh, win by three, but it was the visiting team that came in and got the victory. 
that was almost the case for the Bills. You know, the Bills were up by three points with 13 seconds. Mahomes worked his magic to make it in the overtime, but that would have been all four visiting teams would have won, but that wasn't the case, but close enough. So, pretty darn amazing. Let's get into some pro wrestling stuff, right? I, I blabbed enough about that. Got that out of my system. Uh, rightfully so. Deservedly so. We had to talk about that. But we're going to go over. Uh, we're going to start with Monday Night Raw. Going to briefly go through each of the shows from this past week. And then we're going to look forward to uh, tonight's Monday Night Raw. The final Raw, of course, before the Royal Rumble. we got the Royal Rumble coming up in just a few days. Uh, Saturday night, as a matter of fact. So that's exciting stuff. And... Uh, yeah, so why don't we start off with, um, we can talk about the return of John Moxley this week, uh, also the return of Cody Rhodes, two former WWE superstars turned down the, an appearance at the Royal Rumble, we'll get into that, talk about the current state of Leo Rush, talk about Mustafa Ali, discuss the, the current roster of uh, entrants that have been named throughout the course of the past week or so, week or two, for the men's and women's Royal Rumble. And yeah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And again, Saturday, January 29th, we'll have the Royal Rumble at the Dome in St. Louis, Missouri. Start off Monday Night Raw this past week with Becky Lynch. The Raw Women's Champion came out. You know, she was uh, talking about last week's uh, number one contender's triple threat for a title shot at the Royal Rumble. Lynch welcomed us to the big time. Aren't we all grateful for that? Mentions were just a couple weeks away from the Royal Rumble and so on and so forth. And that the basically the Raw Women's Division has never been hotter. I tend to disagree. There's a few hot, bright spots, hot spots, but that's about it. And she claims that she's responsible for that. Beg to differ. Anyway, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Talking about older generation superstars coming back like the likes of Lita, Bella Twins, Mickey James. And, you know, all mentioning how they are all hoping that they could win and challenge her uh, at WrestleMania 38. Lynch says uh, WWE needs her because she makes stars. And look at Dewdrop. Lynch goes on about Dewdrop and how Dewdrop, uh, you know, got her title match at the Royal Rumble because that's what she does. She makes people better and then beats them. Lynch does admire Dewdrop's tenacity. Not really. She goes on, but the music interrupts and out comes Dewdrop. 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 <laughs> she circles the ring, comes in, talks to Lynch, and. Uh, Mentions that Lynch didn't get her anything. She got herself this match at the Royal Rumble, simple and plain. Um, but if it was Lynch's plan to face Dewdrop instead of the others, then she's made a huge mistake. Bianca went on to announce that she will be in the Rumble and says, I mean, we all knew that, didn't we? She says that uh, she will then go back and win it yet again, back-to-back -back years, and have a WrestleMania match, which I personally am not completely opposed to because the... The whole, uh, you know, list of women in the Royal Rumble this year hasn't been any... There's been some, you know, nice names to see, like a Mickey James or a Lita and such, but there's been none that really grabbed me as far as, like, true title contenders. Uh, so, I'm, so far, I'm not opposed to seeing a Bianca go back-to-back. -back. And before she could really get into it and say what she wanted to say, out comes Liv Morgan. She mentioned she, too, will be entering the Royal Rumble this year. All things we kind of knew. We knew the women's division has been kind of... Um, Hurting for women, being that they got rid of so many throughout the course of the last year or so. So we're not surprised to see Bianca Belair and Liv Morgan both announce that they will be in this year's Royal Rumble. Uh, Dewdrop calls for referee so she could shut them both up. Then we see that we're about to have a tag team match between the Royal Women's Champion Becky Lynch and Dewdrop going up against the EST Bianca Belair and, of course, Liv Morgan. So this match was all right. Nothing crazy, nothing amazing at all. Could have did without it, really, but... 
Uh, bottom line is Dewdrop and Becky Lynch get the win. After the match, Dewdrop goes to the second rope and nails her big old Yokozuna, uh, her verse in the Yokozuna Banzai drop to Lynch. And uh, yeah, basically Dewdrop taunted Becky and talked some trash while she was down. You know, I I'm really looking forward, kind of, uh, to Becky Lynch and um, Dewdrop. I know it's going to be a one and done. We all know Becky Lynch is going to retain. Um, but I'm looking, you know, it's easy to be a skeptic and say, oh, this match is going to suck. What a waste of time. Really, it's just filler. I don't even know why they're doing it. And yeah, I, I get that. I understand that. Uh, how is Dewdrop even eligible for this win? Uh, Bianca should have won uh, two weeks ago. Becky interfered. Prior to that, Dewdrop hasn't really won much in the last two months. And that's all true. Uh, so, you know... I'm not opposed to it because, again, it's going to be a one-and-done. Dewdrop's not going to uh, win it. And just as a person, as a human being, I'm happy for Dewdrop. Uh, even if you say wins, losses, she may not uh, really be the true number one contender for Becky Lynch. Uh, so I'm curious to see what she has to offer in this kind of match uh, with the Becky Lynch. Easy to dismiss it, but I'm, I'm giving it a chance. I'm giving it a chance. So following that, we had a you know 24-7 championship uh, segment with Reggie and Dana Brooke, the backstage with... Uh, Hall of Famer Edge and Beth Phoenix. Reggie asks Edge for some pointers against Omos. Edge doesn't think Reggie has a chance, but wishes him good luck. Beth tells Dana how she's so proud of her hard work, and it honestly seems sincere because Dana's been around for a while. You know, love her or hate her, uh, thinking some say she should have been cut uh, eons ago uh, compared to a lot of the women that have been cut in the last year. But nonetheless, uh, Dana Brooke has stood the course, and, you know, although the 24-7 championship isn't much, uh, it is a championship even though it's, uh, you know, very low on the totem pole. And it is gold. You can't take that away from her, so kudos to her for at least getting something um, of some kind of magnitude. So anyway, uh, Beth and Edge walk away. Edge greets uh, United States champion Damian Priest, who wants to pick Edge's brain um, about the Royal Rumble match. Edge is giving him Priest some advice. And then uh, someone walks up to him from backstage and hands him a note. Rather, hands Beth Phoenix a note. It's a note from Maurice, they claim, who wants to meet her later on in the night. In the ring, woman to woman. She says that's it's kind of suspicious. Edge agrees. Edge says, I'm coming out with you. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It, it. This just seems a little too fishy. What's the Miz up to, basically? They come back from the break. Owens is in the ring, welcomes us to the Kevin Owens show, and says he would like to say he's glad to be in Tulsa, but that would be a vile lie because this place is bad. Owens goes on and introduces his best friend, who will become WWE Universal Champion after defeating Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble, Seth Rollins. Well, Seth freaking Rollins, as they've uh, recently trademarked that. Owens continues with the grand introduction, and out comes Seth freaking Rollins. They go on and look back at what happened on SmackDown with Rollins and the Bloodline as he enters the ring. Owens takes the mic and welcomes Rollins and goes on about how much he admires Rollins for his look, suit, and also, uh, you know, for how they went to SmackDown and confronted Reigns last week. Owen says Rollins is the guy who set the table. Rollins says truth is Reigns is rattled, a little nervous, scared. Rollins goes and says he's playing chess while Reigns is playing checkers. And this blabs on for a whole long bit. Not going to go over all that. Uh, you, you catch my drift. So, you know, I am really looking forward to their match at the Royal Rumble. Do I think Seth is going to win? I think obviously the chance is there because, um, if I'm not mistaken, every time they've went head-to-head -head in championship matches, I believe Seth has had his number uh, every time. I don't think this will be the same case. This is a different Roman Reigns. This isn't a face Roman Reigns. Um, you know, uh, somewhat of a shield Roman Reigns. This is the head of the table, the tribal chief. Uh, 510 plus days as the Universal Champion since August 30th, 2020. Um, so yeah, he. I think Roman's going to win. 
But later on this week, I'll re be releasing my Royal Rumble uh, prediction show, and I will go over each and every match. Owens also goes on to mention that he enters himself in the Rumble and says when he wins the Rumble and Seth defeats Roman at the Royal Rumble, they will main event WrestleMania for the Universal Championship. After that, there was, of course, a Veer, a Veer Mahan uh, vignette. Uh, now, you got to know that it's been about, I don't know, three, three and a half months since the draft between Raw and SmackDown when Veer Mahan was selected to Raw. Uh, at the very same time, Jinder Mahal and Shanky were moved to SmackDown. We've all known Veer Mahan for well over a year when he was coming out with uh, Jinder and Shanky. All three of them would come out on Raw weekly, for the most part. And we haven't seen Veer Mahan since the summertime. And they keep saying he's going to come out. It's very similar, if not the very same, uh, vignette every week. And they're just pulling our leg at this point. They have no intentions of showing us Veer Mahan. It's kind of like the ongoing joke. Uh, next week, coming soon, uh, eventually. And it's never going to happen. So <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. It's upsetting probably for Veer himself. He might even find humor in it. I don't know. Uh, as long as he's getting that paycheck. But um, yeah, he's. it's just a matter of time. He'll definitely, I would be absolutely floored if he was not on the next set of WWE releases, uh, whenever that may be. So we got the Veer Mahan vignette. Uh, I'm sure everybody uh, was, was pumped up to see that. Then we went on to see Kevin Owens versus Damian Priest. And I got to say, I was surprised. I was surprised that regardless of uh, <clears throat> regardless of what may have happened uh, throughout the course of this match, that Kevin Owens got the job done and, and won. So I don't know what that means going forward. I don't know if they're eventually going to put uh, Kevin Owens in some kind of title contention uh, for the U.S. title. That would make him, what, a two- or three-time uh, U.S. champion? He had those uh, solid matches with AJ Styles about four years ago or so. Shortly after that, we had a Nikki A.S.H. backstage interview, which I gotta say, I like her demeanor now, I like her swagger, it's more serious, she's a heel, obviously, after turning on Rhea last week. Um, however, she's still wearing the same damn thing. Uh, she's still got the uh, the cape, the eye cover, um, the stupid music. You know, and I understand that, you know, I here's my thing. I wish she did a complete 180 and wore a different outfit and had different theme music and was... Didn't even doesn't even need to be like the sanity version of Nikki Cross, but uh, give me a give me a new and improved heel version of uh, Nikki. Just call her Nikki again, as I've mentioned on prior podcasts. Uh, just call her Nikki. Drop the ASH. You don't have to bring back the cross. Just give her a completely di different heel gimmick that we've never even seen. Uh, I have nothing wrong with no problems with that. But this, I don't know. If you're gonna keep her with this superhero gimmick, at least like. Since she's a heel now, change the blue and gold to uh, black, gray, navy blue, something. Like navy blue and silver, something different. A darker side, a uh, you know, the bright, cheery stuff has to go. Um, if you're going to keep going on with this whole almost superhero thing, which it seems to be the case. So, not really feeling it. I, I, I do appreciate her serious demeanor. However, it's hard to be taking her serious in any capacity when she's still wearing... Uh, this ridiculous Sesame Street looking uh, outfit. So then after that, we had a uh, Alpha Academy segment uh, where Riddle interrupted. He came out in his cap and gown and, uh, you know, just cut right to the chase. Uh, we had RKO, uh, RKO, Randy Orton come out and then give an RKO to Gable while uh, Riddle and Otis were going at it on the ramp. 
And uh, then Randy proceeded to put on one of their outfits uh, that Alpha Academy was wearing, their red cap and gown. And they went on to accept their challenge uh, for tonight. They're supposed to have some kind of a challenge, if I'm not mistaken. Let me get the exact wording uh, of this challenge. Is it an academic, um, some kind of an academic uh, battle of some sort or something like that? Yeah, an, an academic challenge is, is what I'm pulling up here. Uh, whatever the hell that means, I don't know. Hopefully it's funny. I don't know. Um, now, I don't believe these two are scheduled for a match at Royal Rumble. I may be wrong. Uh, maybe they add this as a, as a last-second thing um, between these two teams. But I think regardless, whenever they go and face Alpha Academy, whether it's on Raw next week, uh, whether it is at the Royal Rumble, um, I think RK Bro should lose. RK Bro should lose this match. And again, this should be the very beginning. After the Royal Rumble, we run right into WrestleMania season throughout the course of the past, uh, the next, rather, two and a half months. And they need to have Riddle and Orton feud. And that will culminate for a match at WrestleMania 38 this year. And that's what we need. You know, RK-Bro was great while it lasted. Uh, it's obviously clearly run its course. There's no need to put the tag titles back on them, um, really. I don't even care if they switch it up on us and Riddle is the one who turns heel and surprises everybody because everybody anticipates Orton to be uh, the sly, slithering, snake, viper, whatever you want to call him, and hit uh, Riddle with an RKO at some point, and bam, there's your feud. Um, but we'll see. You know, Riddle also doesn't take hints very well. Riddle got RKO'd by Randy numerous times when he tried to spark up this friendship last spring uh, before they actually became a thing. And Orton, had, again, hit him with several RKOs, and Riddle just, you know, forgave him. And said that's okay. Maybe it will take a number of RKOs throughout the course of the next several weeks for Riddle to get the hint that Randy isn't just having a bad day. He doesn't like you. Doesn't want to be a tag team anymore. And so now there's only one way to settle this, and it's at WrestleMania. So we'll see what happens there. Again, don't know what the hell this academic challenge is about uh, tonight. Don't think we really need it. I don't think this is the way you start off the Alpha Academy's uh, Raw Tag title reign. Gable and Otis are way better than this. So we'll see. So after this, uh, that whole segment, rather, we see a, uh, a clip of Vince McMahon talking to Austin Theory backstage. And Vince McMahon, is, he got real graphic talking about what he will do to Austin Theory if he did not go out there and, and get redemption on Finn Balor. Finn Balor had defeated Austin Theory uh, three or four weeks ago. So lo and behold, Austin Theory goes out there, gets the job done. And uh, yeah, that's that. I believe he took his... Uh, Took his usual selfie with him, and uh, that was the end of that. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad for Theory. Uh, I think he'll have a very promising future as long as this continues, as I've said in prior podcasts as well. You know, Vince obviously sees something in him, especially to do uh, uh, these uh, on-air segments with him week after week. So we'll see what happens. You know, he's beaten a Jeff Hardy. He's beaten the Mysterios. He's beaten Finn Balor. Uh, he's faced a number of other uh, big competitors. Now, obviously, this is unfortunate for Finn Balor because I feel like I'm watching a, I feel like I'm watching Finn Balor 2018 or 2019, where you know they kind of they kind of just or whatever with him. They they one week he looks like he's going to be in an important role, and then the next week he's jobbing out to somebody, uh, justifiably so or not. 
So it's hard to say what's going to happen with Finn Balor going forward. Obviously, I don't see anything of importance happening for him. So that takes us to where we're, uh, you know, supposed to see a match, allegedly, between Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. Uh, that didn't exactly happen. Nikki beat Ripley down so bad the bell had not uh, yet hit. Uh, Nikki mounted Ripley and keeps her down until Ripley powers up and sends her to the floor. Nikki counters from the apron and sends Ripley to the floor instead. Nikki sends Ripley into the steel ring steps, which Ripley did show the next day on Twitter. Very graphic photo. Uh, her back and shoulder, arm area, uh, very ripped up, red, bruised. It looked very bad. Uh, so for all those that say, oh, wrestling's fake, no, it's scripted, but none of that's fake. Again, I I don't know what's going to happen with the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. There's no division. So if I'm Carmella and Queen Selene, I'm feeling pretty good right about now because, you know, the only thing is, A, yeah, it's good and fun and well to be champion for X amount of time, but at the same token, uh, I would also want a match at WrestleMania, and how can I have a, a match at WrestleMania without um, any opponents. You know, that's the main problem here. Who are they really going to go up against? So WWE has a couple months to get it together, do what they do best, and put together a makeshift tag team uh, to go up against them. You know, I, I wouldn't even be opposed to, uh, I know it's not going to happen, but I wouldn't even be opposed to see what we saw three years ago at WrestleMania 35 when we saw Natalia and Beth Phoenix team up. I wouldn't even be opposed to seeing them uh, go at them for the Women's Tag Team Championships. But I do have a funny inclination, especially being that the Bella Twins will be uh, not only at, but in the Royal Rumble this year. I don't think either of them are going to win it, by the way. But I do think this could lead to, um, you know, Carmella and Zelina having some kind of a in-ring, uh, you know, mixing it up whether one eliminates the other, they're just fighting at some point, uh, whatever. Whether it's two of them, four of them, doesn't matter. It's going to lead to an eventual feud. And I think I may have just answered mine and maybe most of your questions as who's going to be the potential uh, tag team uh, opponents for the women's tag team titles. Uh, not that anybody really cares because there is no division, but I do think that the Bella Twins will likely go on to face Zelina and Carmella at WrestleMania and probably beat them and become women's tag team champions as they voiced over the last couple of years, said that as something they definitely wanted to return and do, being that they've pretty much done mostly everything. You know, they've been cha uh, singles champions uh, a few times and that they'd want to go on and, and add this to the resume, women's tag team champions. So see what happens with that going forward. We had Omos versus Reggie. I know nobody really cares what happened here. Um, Omos won, long story short, moving forward. We had a face-to-face -face with Maurice and Beth Phoenix. Maurice, let's just speed this up because I got a lot to cover. Maurice hits Beth with a purse, with her purse. Now, I was wondering why she went down so abruptly. We then come to find out that there was a brick inside of it. Uh, Maurice <laughs> removed a brick. Uh, that was pretty hardcore. You know, so of course, uh, Edge, you know, ran out to see what the hell's going on. Uh, this is going to be... A fun match this Saturday. Again, it is what it is. Uh, take it for what it's worth. It's Edge and Miz, essentially, again. And then it's basically going to be Beth Phoenix, and Maurice is going to do very little. I think Edge and Beth will win without question, and I think what everybody's looking forward to doing, 
looking forward to seeing, rather, is seeing what Beth is most looking forward to doing, and that is uh, beating up The Miz at some point. We're definitely going to get that at some point in the match. I think uh, even though the rules are men versus men and women versus women, uh, I would love to see Beth go on and pin The Miz, or at least uh, you know hit her, uh, hit him with her finisher or something, or some kind of a move to set up Edge for the pin on Miz. That's likely what's going to happen. But, again, not a whole lot to go in depth with there. Eight-man tag team matchup. We have the Street Profits and the Mysterios going up against the Dirty Dogs. That is uh, Bobby Roode, or Robert Roode, as they call him these days, and Dolph Ziggler, and Apollo Crews, and, of course, Commander Aziz. Um, this was a fun match. Um, you know, the rest of the Raw, uh, the Men's Raw Tag Division, which, in all sincerity, I would have liked to see one of these teams really go up against... Um, Alpha Academy going forward. I really don't think we need to see the back and forth with RK Bro. I'm okay with it for the entertainment purposes if we do see this one and done with RK Bro in a rematch capacity or this whole uh, Academy challenge tonight. And it leads to, like I said, the eventual split of Randy Orton and uh, Riddle. Then it's all uh, well and good. But, you know, let's, let's not prolong it. There are other tag teams that are looking for an opportunity. So again, this was a very fun match. We went on to see Montez Ford do what he does best. I think he has one of the best frog splashes in the business. Uh, not just his landing, the execution of it, but how high he gets up. When Montez Ford <laughs> does his frog splash, he literally jumps up so high that more times than not, he's actually out of the frame uh, of the video. It's, it's pretty amazing. So Montez Ford uh, hits Apollo Crews. With a frog splash, pins him for the one, two, three. Then we had a fun moment after that. We had the Mysterios, uh, Dominic and Rey Mysterio, went and threw over, uh, threw both of the Street Profits over in a very Royal Rumble um, capacity, being that all four of them, I believe, are in the Rumble. So just to tease that, some anticipation, especially from a tag team standpoint, even though we all know tag teams don't win the Royal Rumble. Anyway, that was fun. And then after Ray and Dominic eliminated the Street Profits, jokingly, then Ray uh, eliminated his son Dominic and looked at him like, hey man, you know, anybody could get it on this given day. It's, it's all about the last man standing in this competition. So, harmless fun segment we got to see there. After that, um, we go on to see some of Bobby Lashley's comments on WWE Champion Brock Lesnar from last week. After his uh, After the Bell podcast with Corey Graves, the announcer sends us to a video package, Lashley, Lesnar, looking back at what they did throughout the duration of their career of WWE, even prior to that, and then uh, when, they've, when they both had taken breaks from the company and coming back and, and all that. So it was good, good for what it's worth. I'm really looking forward to that match, I'll be honest. Uh, Lesnar, Lashley, I think it's going to blow the roof off, and again, I'll get to that prediction later in the week of who I see coming out as champion for, at the Royal Rumble. Basically, I just want to jump right into uh, the main event, really. Um, you know, I could I could go and discuss Lily and Alexa and Alexa and Lily. I really don't think you care. And let's get to the main event of Bobby Lashley versus Seth freaking Rollins. Now, you go into this match thinking, wow, what a main event, right? What a main event. You also go into this match thinking neither one of these guys can afford to lose. You have Bobby Lashley, who's going to be going up against Brock Lesnar this weekend for the WWE Championship. Then you have Seth freaking Rollins going up against the head of the table, Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion this weekend. Both 
contenders for the title, neither one can lose, really. Neither one can afford to lose any kind of momentum. So for those reasons, simply put, this match didn't make sense. Kind of kind of knew there would not be an outright winner. And if there was a winner, uh, it wouldn't be clean. It was a good match, really was. Um, but, you know, Lashley ends up winning because uh, his former Hurt Business brethren, uh, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin come out, uh, attack Lashley. So again, Lashley got the win uh, via DQ. And after that, the Usos came out of nowhere from SmackDown, and they went and super kicked uh, Seth Rollins. Obviously, them being part of the uh, Roman's uh, bloodline, went out and attacked them. So, you know, there was no Big E on Raw. I was uh, wondering what was up with that. Um, in any capacity, I'm not obviously he's not in any kind of, any kind of title contention, um, but it's three hour show. So how do you not have your former WWE champion on the show? You have a three hour show, your longest program of the week, and believe me, it feels like it's five hours, and that's not a good thing. Anyway, again, like I mentioned tonight, we have the Alpha Academy's Academic Challenge. We also <laughs> get to celebrate Maurice's. Big old birthday celebration tonight on Raw. And we're going to get a WWE Championship weigh-in between uh, challenger Bobby Lashley and WWE Champion Brock Lesnar. So, should be decent. Um, obviously, really looking forward to the weigh-in. Something's definitely going to go down there. Academic challenge could be funny. And Maurice, as a married man, say this as safely as I can. I have no problem seeing Maurice. But I'll leave it at that. There's not really looking forward to a celebration of any kind. I know it's not going to end well because Edge and Beth are going to exact revenge on them for last week, hitting Beth in the head with a brick, uh, a brick purse. So we'll see. That was Raw in a nutshell. I covered most of it, or at least the important stuff. Uh, who knows, again, how many more weeks we're going to get this whole uh, Alexa Bliss uh, return to Raw bit. And um, will it go on as long as Veer Mahan? Uh, at least it's live footage. We've been seeing the same vin, uh, Veer Mahan vignette that he probably shot somewhere in August. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. That was your Monday Night Raw uh, recap, and tonight should be pretty good for Raw. So we'll see. Again, pretty good, not great. Try to keep expectations as low as possible when, uh, whenever we're discussing one Monday Night Raw. So we got NXT 2.0. Pretty decent show. Opened up with a red sports car. Arriving at the arena, of course, who is it? None other than L.A. Knight gets out, stops by Andre Chase, and his student tells him to keep his eyes peeled because he's about to see a very teachable moment. Knight is on the hunt for one Grayson Waller, and he makes his way to the ring. Fans chant for Knight, and he's loving it. Says he wants to get right to business, tells Grayson Waller to get his skinny ass out so he can finish what he started last week. Waller doesn't show up. Knight says he figured as much he'd have to turn his back for Waller to come out. Knight says Grayson sucks, gets chanted every week, and as much as that annoys him, nothing puts more fear in Waller than L.A. Knight's name. Knight says Waller sabotaged him at Halloween Havoc, tried to stop him from reaching the arena, then he tried to take him out at War Games, but couldn't get the job done. A few nights later, Waller got mad because some fine little lady wanted a piece of Knight because she knew Waller couldn't get the job done. <laughs> L.A. Knight's great, man. I cannot wait to see him on Raw or SmackDown, hopefully sooner than later. Anyway, Wilder comes out to the stage holding an envelope. He has a restraining order from Knight. Wilder said he loved to fight Knight after he cowardly attacked him last week. 
However, his lawyers have advised him a restraining order is the best path forward for Knight's safety. Waller goes on to give the restraining order to Knight, who reads that he can't come within 50 feet or he will get arrested. Waller mocks him, and the fans chant, Rip that ish. Knight says it's fine because Waller doesn't have a restraining order against this man. Dexter Loomis's music hit, and Waller freaks out. Waller stares at the entrance, waits. Loomis comes out from under the ring behind him. Loomis crawls up, grabs him from behind, but Waller slips away. He's stuck between Knight and Loomis, and L.A. tells him he can either get his ass kicked by Loomis or go ahead and drop the restraining order and take it from him. Go on to find out after the break. Long story short, Grayson Waller did defeat Dexter Loomis. Um, looking forward to this uh Waller and Knight feud. I really am. It's it's pretty amazing to me how. Uh, and I've I've said this again, uh, like a broken record. I revert to prior podcasts that I've said that uh, Waller's great. You know, I I can't stand his ring gear. Uh, <clears throat> kind of reminds me of like a soccer goalie. Wears these shorts, high socks, gloves. I don't really get it. Uh, his character, but he's pretty good on the mic, and he's definitely a good wrestler. I do understand that much, but they're not wasting any time. Uh, with putting him right in the midst of the spotlight. I mean, attacking Johnny Gargano on Gargano's final night a month ago, uh, putting him up against an AJ Styles from Monday Night Raw, now putting him up against a guy who should be on Raw or SmackDown in LA Knight. So they definitely see this guy in high regard. And uh, I'm not completely opposed to it. I just can't believe how quickly uh, they are pushing one Grayson Waller. I mean, we were introduced to him in NXT 2.0. That was, what, mid to late September? Here we are, barely four months in, and they just keep going and going and going with uh, with pushing him. So be it. Uh, hopefully it works out for Waller. But I think this feud definitely has some potential. Uh, one, Grayson Waller, and LA Knight. After that, we got the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. This is a quarterfinals matchup. We have the Creed Brothers representing Diamond Mind going up against Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen. Um, I was actually surprised with the outcome. I did think they were going to put Briggs and Jensen over. Uh, this is, um, you know, a, a good tag team, uh, not one I really get overly excited for. Neither of these teams I'm very excited for, uh, for, to see, but I do see the improvements already with the Creed brothers. They look like a couple of college athletes, a couple wrestlers, uh, you know, straight out of, a, out of a college program, which I don't know their age, but they're probably not far from it. Uh, but anyway, I've seen, I've seen their improvements. They've improved a lot throughout the uh, course of the past couple of months, and the Creed brothers went on to get the victory, not opposed to it at all. We'll see what they have to offer in the semis. I'm not sure if their match is scheduled for this week or if it's going to be the following week, but nonetheless, uh, the Creed brothers looking good. We then go on to see a Dante Chen video package. Uh, this is his return. goes on to say that he hasn't been on television since uh, his, his debut of NXT 2.0 back in, again, late September or so. Um, shortly thereafter, he was injured. He is known as the Singapore Warrior. He has a match later that night against Guru Raj, I believe they said is his name. But he went on to tell a pretty sad story, I gotta say. Uh, you know, he he was talking about how his dad was his biggest fan and got to see his first match. I'm not sure if he said he was there in person or not or just watched him on television, but told him that don't worry about your injury, basically. You'll get back to where you were. And sadly, he goes on to say that his father passed away not too long ago, uh, I believe sometime in November, if I'm not mistaken. So that was very sad to see, uh, sad to hear. And uh, Dante Chan went on to have that match against Guru Raj. It was very brief, which I thought was unfortunate. I understand for storyline purposes, but after telling us all that emotional backstory, I would have liked to see Chen in a match. If it was only a one or two minute match because he just uh, squashed the guy, I would have had no problem. However, 
Duke Hudson returns after weeks of being off television, interferes with the match, immediately takes out both competitors, and this will inevitably lead to a Dante Chan-Duke Hudson rivalry going forward. We saw a segment with Joe Gacy and Harland. You know, I think what they got going on is pretty good, pretty eerie, uh, especially with Gacy smiling at the end of it. Uh, Harland is serious as can be in the background, so it's basically that uh, they got this whole um, yin-yang type of deal. Uh, polar opposites, but they make it work. We then go on to see a segment with Tony D'Angelo uh, doing a Pete Dunne funeral procession, um, or wake if you want to call it that. Uh, goes to call out Carmelo Hayes, the North American champion. Uh, now, to Tony D'Angelo, as I've said uh, in the past, is absolutely great. He's one of my favorites, if not, he's probably my ultimate favorite of NXT 2.0. Braun Breaker's cool, Carmelo Hayes is cool, Grayson Waller, Corey Jade. They're all good. They're all great. But Tony D'Angelo, to me, is the total package already. Solid wrestler, great gimmick, very interesting promo, very believable promo, and I like everything he has to offer here. So, you know, calls out Carmelo Hayes. Hayes comes out. Uh, so does Trick Williams by his side. Uh, they're up uh, in one of the basically boxes they have in the rafters, talking down to the ring and such, going back and forth. Then comes one Cameron Grimes. Uh, Cameron Grimes comes out and tells uh, Tony D'Angelo, hold up, hold up. You know, I want my shot basically at, uh, essentially at the North American Championship. And I'm going to get it one way or another. And so they were going back and forth. Fun segment. Uh, really did enjoy it. Cameron Grimes, again, he's 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 always been a great wrestler, in my opinion. I think he's vastly improved on the microphone. Uh, really took in his gimmick completely serious in the best of ways. And he... Uh, He's, he's molded it great over the past year, year and a half as uh, this whole to the moon and whatever. Uh, definitely uh, doing his damn thing. Would not mind seeing uh, either Grimes or Tony D'Angelo as the next NXT North American champion. So then there's backstage segment with Briggs and Jensen and Caden Carter, Casey Cat and Nazaro. Uh, basically, we've seen these two teams kind of flirt in the past. Uh, we've seen a little... little uh, a little love fest, if you will, between uh, Caden Carter and, uh, who is it, Brooks Jensen. So we'll see. Brooks Jensen's shy, and Caden Carter knows it, but kind of loves it. So we're, I don't know. They're doing this whole country angle, and I don't know where that's quite going, but seems I'm remotely interested. Go on to see this new tag team they're discussing, Ulyssa Leon and Valentina Faraz. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. They go on to talk about how they're going to impact the women's division in NXT, about the... Uh, the Dusty Rhodes uh, Tag Team Classic for the women, and then uh, here comes the, the cloud. The walking cloud, Dakota Kai, comes over and says, nothing divides friendship more than success. Now, she went on to say this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I forget if she who she had mentioned it to. Uh, I think it might have been Cora Jade and somebody else. I don't know, but anyway, she's obviously referring to her and Raquel splitting uh, many months ago. Went on to see a match between Kaylee Ray versus Ivy Nile of the Diamond Mine. Ivy Nile got the job done. Um, you know, by the way, we got to see... Look, look, shout out to Malcolm Bivens, the manager for Diamond Mine. We got to see him throughout the course of three different times. Literally, beginning, middle, and end of the show. He's getting more airtime than the announcers. Uh, he came out with the Creed Brothers in the beginning and, and won. Came out with Ivy Nile and won. And I'll get to the uh, main event later. Unfortunately, Roderick Strong did not win. But um, we'll go on to get to that in just a moment.
Kaylee Ray was distracted by Mandy Rose, who had come out, uh, was then attacked post-match by the entire Toxic Attraction. That's uh, Gigi Dolan, J.C. Jane. But then she was saved by uh, Persia Parada and Indy Hartwell. So, you know, came to even the odds. Maybe we'll have a, a six-woman tag match lined up. Maybe it's already scheduled. I haven't looked at this week's card. Then get a little video package of Saray, uh, Japanese uh, female Japanese superstar. It says she will be returning soon to NXT 2.0. We got to see her debut uh, a little over a year ago or so. She's been doing her thing. I'm not quite sure what her record is, but I'm, I'm certain she's had more wins than losses. Um, then we had the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic quarterfinal. Another matchup here. We had Legato Del Fantasma going up against Malik Blade and Idris Inofi. Uh We saw uh, Blade and Anofi, um win last week's match against uh, Gacy and um, uh, what's his name Harlan, which I was surprised to see. But uh, we all know Harlan and them lost because Harlan got disqualified because he was actually trying to kill the guy in the ring instead of wrestle him. Um, seems to be the way of his gimmick, uh, way of the world. Long story short, Blade and Idris Sanofi got the job done yet again. They were through the roof excited. I'm personally happy for them to see them go on, uh, move on to the semifinals. Uh, I was a little surprised that they defeated Legato Del Fantasma, but also not because I see that Vince and company are pushing the 2.0 guys over the black and gold NXT guys, anybody that was from the Triple H brand. So at the, at the same time, I can't say I'm completely shocked. We then went on to see a women's match, a singles match, Dakota Kai going up against Yalisa Leon. Uh, one of the two women that she had saw backstage not too long ago where she went on to say her words of wisdom or lack of encouragement. Uh, Dakota Kai, as she very well should have, uh, got the victory. And then that led us to our main event of the night. We had the leader of Imperium, Walter, going up against the leader of the Diamond Mine, Roderick Strong. This was a very good match. I did enjoy it. Um... What I didn't enjoy was post-match and what we found out on Twitter later Tuesday night. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. Very WWE-esque. Uh, you know, ever since uh, Vince, Bruce, Pritchard, and God knows who have taken over this uh, brand and made it just like uh, anything else, any of the other nonsense we've seen on Raw or SmackDown. But after Walter gets the victory, after his second power bomb, he got the win. You know, Imperium attacks uh, the Creed Brothers. Uh, to even the odds, because the Creed brothers had came in to, and uh, tried to stop Walter from beating the living hell out of Roderick Strong. So again, maybe another six-person uh, six tag match we'll see in the coming week. Maybe this Tuesday, maybe next Tuesday. Who knows? They also went on to promote a musical artist that's going to be there this Tuesday, uh, Ali J. So I don't know much about her, but go ahead and look that up if you want. Here's the biggest thing, again, I was referring to about people talking on Twitter um, you know, after the show went off air, especially, I didn't notice it because obviously, um, Walter has a very strong accent. So I didn't, I didn't quite understand it, but he was, when the, when they were about to announce his name and say, the winner is Walter, he, inter he interrupted them and said something, which I didn't know what he said. I thought he was trying to announce one of his Imperium brothers. I don't know, but apparently he said Gunther. Um, there has been a lot, a lot of backlash on this for a multitude of reasons. Now, WWE management has changed Walter's name to Gunther. There's no reason for it. Uh, before I get into talking about, uh, the name Gunther Stark, who is apparently some kind of a Nazi general, if I'm not mistaken, 
and uh, just very bad taste. Why a Why would you change his name? And B t- t- uh, the the name of a Nazi general really? Uh, what are we doing? You know, we're talking about this is the longest reigning uh, NXT United Kingdom champion of all time. He held this title for 870 days. This is actually the longest WWE title reign overall since 1988. Now, let's just put that in perspective, okay? We may not have seen Walter on Raw or SmackDown. He's only been on, really, NXT and NXT UK. However, you can't ignore the fact that he had an 870-day title reign and, again, the longest uh, longest champion in the company, longest tenure champion since 1988. I was barely two. So do the math of my age, if you're wondering. Anyway, and then to na- go ahead and rename him, and then after a Nazi general or commander of some sort, I don't get it. Uh, very poor taste. So I'm hearing that, you know, they're not going to go with the full name Gunther Stark or whatever it was, and they're just going to they potentially drop in the Stark and just keep in the Gunther. Drop the whole name. Drop it. It's ridiculous. Keep it as Walter. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Walter has been great for the past four or five years, uh, ever since he's been with the company. Personally, would have loved to see him in this year's Royal Rumble. I doubt it. Again, would, there's not much more for him to even do on a NXT television. I love everything about him and his group, the current NXT Tag Team Champions, Imperium, uh, Marcel Bartel, and Fabian Eichner. And realistically, they should be. Uh, I'd love to see them on SmackDown. Just think, the Bloodline and Imperium uh, feud you could have on SmackDown, that would that would be the sole reason I'd tune into SmackDown every week just for it. You know how we kind of see the Usos and the New Day fight almost every week for the last seven years? And although we, we enjoy those matches, we do, it's uh, it's getting a little tired. So I think it's, it's, it's time to bring Imperium, while keeping the name Walter, and moving them to SmackDown, this way, not only do we have a feud uh, between factions, but now Roman Reigns has an actual opponent. A legitimate opponent that he could legitimately, eventually, Walter could be that guy that he drops the title to, and it's believable. You know, and it could be the next rising star. I Everything is perfect for Walter to be the next champion. Instead, they want to make a mockery out of him and call him Gunther. Makes no sense whatsoever. So, and it wouldn't even matter who was the faces or the heels. Of course, Imperium are great heels. The Bloodline, for quite some time in the last year plus, have been a heel faction. The Bloodline could just as easily become face. Or Imperium could also find a way to be full-time, full-fledged faces in some capacity. They could still be serious as ever, but be faces. Or just uh, tweeners, even, going up against the the Bloodline. So, that's my two cents on that. Again, ridiculous name change. Move Imperium uh, to SmackDown whenever uh, Imperium drops the NXT Tag Team titles. Maybe at a pay-per-view event or whatever their special is uh, right right around. I don't think they're really going to do takeovers anymore, but whatever they call their special around WrestleMania this year. Maybe do something like that, which could eventually lead to maybe Walter and Reigns going at it uh, at SummerSlam this year. And then Reigns drops, and I'd be completely okay with that because... That would essentially be a two-year uh, run for Roman Reigns from 2020 to the end of summer 2022 as Universal Champion. 
So that that's what I got for you there. That is my Monday Night Raw and NXT 2.0 review in a nutshell. So AEW Dynamite, we had the return of one John Moxley. He opened the show, Wild Thing Hit, received a big, big, loud response from Washington, D.C. Fan had the audacity to, to heckle Moxley once he got in the ring. And he went and told the fan to go F himself. Um, and that fan, I'm pretty sure, was removed uh, after Moxley said to get that guy the hell out of there. Pretty sure that's what happened. Goes on to mention he has a lot of scars, but the important ones are the scars inside that people can't see. Those are the scars that make us the people we are. Nobody should be ashamed of them. Plenty of people willing to write Moxley off, but he doesn't run from demons. He just beats that out of them. You know, I could go on here and curse like a lot of guys on podcasts, but realistically, I try to keep this, uh, you know, children-friendly. There are a lot of younger wrestling fans, but, you know, when I gotta quote something, I'm sure you get it. So, uh, that was that. Moxley goes on to say, in 2022, he will grab the world of professional wrestling by the balls and do whatever he wants. Now, more than ever, I am truly free. Moxley has been to hell, and there's nobody in AEW who can put him through worse. He's thirsty. If you thought he was dangerous before, these days all I drink is blood. Uh, pretty intense, to say the least. Pretty intense. So, good to see Moxley back. Uh, I believe he's been out since right before Halloween. Um, obviously, as all of us wrestling fans do know, but if you weren't unaware, uh, he had to leave and go uh, rehabilitate uh, due to alcohol. Um and so on and so forth. So happy to see Moxie back. Wish him all the best. He looks much better. Looks looks a lot healthier, really. You can just tell uh, overall. So afterwards, we go on and see MJF apologize to his uh, his uh, partner in crime, or bodyguard, however you want to refer to him, Wardlow, uh, but tells him he's going to dock his pay on his birthday uh, for putting his hands on him in the first place. That obviously didn't go over very well. He believes in Wardlow. He said just like he believes in Sean Spears against CM Punk, uh, which would go on to take place later that night. So the first matchup, we see a mixed tag team matchup. We have the uh, AEW Women's World Champion Britt Baker and significant other Adam Cole, Bebe, go up against Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander of the Best Friends. It was a fun match. Uh, took it for what it's worth. Didn't have high expectations with this match, but good match nonetheless as an opener. Uh... Cole and Baker did get the job done. Then we see another segment where Santana and Ortiz go on to tell the leader of the Inner Circle. Um, I believe they're going to split up the Inner Circle. I mean, what more do they really have to accomplish? They've been together since the inception of AEW, basically. Just got recognized a week or two ago in an award, as I said in the last podcast, uh, for Faction of the Year. And, you know, they go on to tell Jericho uh, to tread carefully when talking about Eddie Kingston so they don't like... Uh, what Jericho has been saying lately, and it's not Jericho's fault. He hasn't started this whole beef with Kingston. Kingston has started it with Jericho. And so I, I do think it's inevitable that Santana and Ortiz do leave the inner circle and Jericho see what happens. We see the chairman then come out, Sean Spears, for his match against CM Punk. If you got up to the, use the bathroom or uh, pour a, a glass of water, whatever it may be, uh, you missed the match. The match was over in the blink of an eye with one GTS and Punk won. Uh, quite honestly, uh, Sean Spears' entrance took longer than this match did. Go on to see the return of the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. Uh, very nice, lengthy promo. It was 
Good to see him back, really. Um, only gone for a couple of weeks due to COVID, if I'm not mistaken. So Cody set up a ladder on the ring during the commercial break. I mean, this is one of the biggest goddamn ladders I ever saw. Goes on to mention CM Punk's uh, famous pipe bomb, how revolutionary it was to the world of professional wrestling. Punk's comeback was the comeback of the decade. It's not wrong. Cody, in turn, led that revolution. You want to know why I won't turn heel? Because the fans cheered him when he needed it most. I quote, before there was a forbidden door, I was the one that built it. Cody's gone for two weeks and all this stuff happens and changes in AEW. He said Brody King had balls coming to AEW and calling himself Brody. Uh, obviously, we know the, the late Brody Lee. Then turns his attention to the TNT Championship. The only reason it's considered a secondary championship right now is because there's two. He climbed a ladder, challenged Guevara for a unification match at Beach Break this Wednesday. Very similar to WrestleMania 10's uh, Intercontinental match. Obviously, that's what we all thought of initially, and I know it's what I thought of. Uh, Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels, you know, Razor was Intercontinental Champion. Uh, Shawn returned, did not want to give up his championship when he left, and they settled it in the ring. So that's what we're going to see here. We're going to see who comes out on top. I believe Cody uh, should be the one to win this match, uh, especially he's got some good momentum going on. He's he's not quite face, but he won't turn heel. So he's kind of in that tweener stage, and uh, I think this will help prolong whatever he is trying to accomplish. So we got Tony Schiavone. Um, backstage with Jade Cargill. She goes on issued an open challenge for the TBS Championship. Anna Jay from uh, the Dark Order accepted. Um, <clears throat> Mark Sterling dismissed Jay, but John Silver went on to hype Anna Jay up. Jay said she'll do whatever it takes to win. And Cargill goes on to say her famous tagline, the TBS stands for That Bitch Show. So they were uh, slated to have a match Friday night on AEW Rampage, which ended up being the main event. We'll get to that later. We have the Kings of the Black Throne, Malachi Black, Brody King, go on to defeat the Varsity Blondes, Griff Garrison, and Brian Pillman Jr. This was King's official first match in AEW, but I did predict that Julia Hart would go on to leave the Varsity Blondes and join them. That was not the case. Still remains to be seen. I still think she may potentially go over there and, and uh, join them, the House of Black, or whatever faction he wants to go on and call them, uh, if it does remain to just be the Kings of the Black Throne. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, following the match, we had a uh, another pack uh, vignette. Now, two weeks ago, I thought it meant uh, Pack was insinuating as joining again, like I think Julia Hart will, a faction with Malachi Black. However, this was a very good uh, video, and I'm really looking forward to this tease at Pack returning and having a match with one uh, Malachi Black. Uh, addressed Black, calling him self-obsessed and power-hungry. So I think this has got all the potential in the world. It's going to lead to something very important, and can't wait for it. Went on to see Frankie Kazarian. I feel like we haven't seen him on Dynamite in so long, but we went on to see Frankie Kazarian go up against the returning Murderhawk monster, Lance Archer, who looks great, uh, really hasn't missed a beat. You know, at the beginning of Archer coming out, we saw his former, uh, who we haven't seen in months, uh, manager, Jake the Snake Roberts, come out, and then we see uh, the leader, uh, of, of American Top Team, Dan Lambert come out. I guess it was a passing of the torch, maybe. Uh, I, I'm assuming that Lance, Arch, Lance Archer is now affiliated with American Top Team, and I don't know if Dan Lambert's solely his manager or what, but there remains to be seen. Um, Lance Archer did get the job done. Uh, following this match, we got to see a confrontation uh, between Hangman Page uh, and Lance Archer. So, uh, <clears throat> Hangman Page offered him a world title match, 
and Robert said it was time for Paige to bite the dust. I gotta say that I am looking forward to this. I don't know if they're gonna string this out up until, uh, if, if it's gonna be strung out, I guess why not, right? Because we're less than two months away. I don't have the exact date in front of me for uh, AEW Revolution, uh, their, their annual pay-per-view in uh, March. So I'm guessing that it's early or mid-March, so we're about a little less than two months away. So they can definitely string that out uh, from now until um, Revolution, uh, Lance Archer versus Hangman Adam Page, where I do believe Hangman will win, retain his world title, but it will be a great match nonetheless. Uh, what's the rush? Why have the title match any time before that? And in the meantime, why not uh, just give this feud more momentum and let Lance Archer absolutely destroy whoever he comes across to build up uh, people's belief that he still has it, uh, returning from injury, getting some wins under his belt, and letting him get to where he needs to be, so that when it goes up, when he goes up against Adam Page, you could say, "Look, I won my last ten victories. Uh, not only am I deserving of it, but I'm hungry and I'm more ready than ever." And quite frankly, I'm looking forward to it. So we had a Dante Martin, Matt Seidel, and Lee Moriarty. Uh, Moriarty say that five times fast. They were backstage. They said they have each other's backs. Then they panned the Ricky Starks powerhouse Hobbs and said Dante should, uh, in fact, watch his back. After that, we had Chris Statlander, Red Velvet, and uh, they were backstage. Shortly thereafter, we saw Layla Hirsch walk up, and we've seen a lot of, uh, you know, dissension with a lot of dissent with Layla Hirsch and Chris Statlander. There's been friction building for weeks every time they team these three up. Uh, in some capacity, Red Velvet's kind of been the one in the middle playing referee. Back to your corners, ladies. Um, so Layla Hirsch walked up, accused Statlander of not being focused enough for their match on Rampage. Velvet tried to calm her down. Hirsch told her to shut up. Hirsch attacked them both and locked an armbar on Statlander until officials went and broke it up. So, um, look, looking forward to that. You know, even though she's short in stature, uh, Layla Hirsch is not to be messed with at all. And, and I believe she's from Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, she don't play games, but again, nor does Chris Statlander. So should be a good match. Then there was a matchup between Serena Deeb, who we most of us think should be the uh, TBS champion. But nonetheless, uh, Serena Deeb went on to defeat the up-and-coming uh, superstar, Sky Blue. Um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of her work on Dark. And um, Sky Blue is great, man. She's, she's getting there week after week. And uh, it's nice to see her. I don't believe she's been on Dynamite in quite some time. I know she's made a few appearances uh, throughout the course of the last calendar year. So Serena Deeb got that victory. Uh, but then went on to, uh, <clears throat> after she hit the deep talks, then attacked Blue's knee before applying the serenity lock for the quick win. Um, you know, they go to Dan Lambert and the men of the year, uh, they were backstage. Ethan Page challenged Moxley for a match on Rampage, which went on to open up Rampage this past Friday. Get to that in just a little bit. Um, yes, yeah, so, you know, for the most part, Dynamite was, was pretty good. Uh, we got to see the HFO turn into the AHFO. The Hardy family office turned into the Andrade Hardy family office. There's a whole spiel on that. Matt Hardy explained the specifics, but Andrade apparently owes, owns 51%, and Matt Hardy owns 49%. Not quite sure where they're going with it. They have pri private parties still there. They have the Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny. Uh, I don't know what to make of it. Not much at all. It just, it just shows me that they really uh, don't know where to piece Andrade at this very moment and um it's a great look for the Hardy family office uh in some sort of relevancy but if Matt Hardy couldn't get the job done and get that group over I don't believe Andrade will either it's no knock to Andrade I just don't really see much of anything happening uh for the better
took us to the main event of the night, which was the acclaimed Anthony Bowens and Platinum Max Caster, going up against the icon Sting and Darby Allen. Oh boy, what a what a good match this was. Really enjoyed this main event. Um, early on, they teased that Darby Allen was uh, significantly injured uh, with his the chair wrapped around his head, hitting the ring post, going to falling immediately to the ground, and uh, had to be taken to backstage uh, by officials. Um, you know, I knew. I had noticed it was kind of a work. I knew he would eventually come out. Just from seeing the spot, it didn't look like, I mean, hey, things happen, but uh didn't look like he actually did get hurt at any point. Was initially concerned, but anyway, he came back later on in the match and helped Sting get the job done. Darby Allen pins Anthony Bowens, and they got the victory. The lineup, again, for AEW Rampage, which we'll go over in just a minute, was John Moxley versus Ethan Page, the Young Bucks were initially supposed to go up against Rampongi, uh, Rampongi, Rampongi, Vice. Uh, they had their feud back in 2017, if I'm not mistaken, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Now, come to find out, I don't know if it was an injury uh, that had taken place. Now, it ended up being Nick Jackson going one-on-one against Trent Beretta. Again, we'll go over that in just a bit. Hook versus Serpentico. End for the main event of the night. We have the TBS Championship on the line. Jade Cargill defending against Dark Order's Anna J. So that was that. AEW Dynamite in a nutshell. Um, you know what we have to look forward to in the coming episode. Uh, the upcoming episode this Wednesday on AEW Dynamite. Uh, again, we have that TNT Championship ladder match taking place at Beach Break. Cody Rhodes champion defending against Sammy Guevara, who is also the interim champion. We have Chris Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz versus Daniel Garcia in 2.0. I think, you know, just if I could add my two cents here, I do think Daniel Garcia in 2.0 will win. This will only lead to more tension between Jericho and Santana and Ortiz, so I'm really curious to see that. There's a Lights Out match scheduled, uh, Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy, which we saw last year, which was amazing. I believe it was on the St. Patrick's Day episode where uh, we saw uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa go at it, and that's really what kind of put an eye and ear onto the AEW women's division. They finally, I feel like at that point, rounded the corner to be taken at least somewhat seriously. We all know the AEW women's division is one division in their company that is lacking, but it has been getting continuously better uh, throughout the course of the last three years. That was an amazing match. This should be good. I don't think it's going to uh, outdo that, but I do think this will be a good match. And then we're going to see uh, Layla Hirsch, legit Layla Hirsch, go up against Red Velvet. So I'm sure they're going to add a couple more matches as uh, time goes on the next day or two, but that should be pretty good. So, uh, yeah, so, so that was that. We're going to uh, go over briefly a little bit of uh, impact from this past week. I told you, at minimum, I would follow up this week on uh, what was to take place. There were some matches I was really looking forward to, and uh, so that's exactly what we're going to go over. So this week on Impact Wrestling, it was pretty good. We got to see uh, Impact Women's World Champion come out to start the show, Mickey James. Uh, it was funny. She tweeted after the show because this, this show was pre-taped in Texas uh, a couple of weeks ago. She came out in a Dallas Cowboys shirt, and uh, she, she went on to tweet after the show, well, this didn't age well, being that the 49ers eliminated them in the playoffs just a few days prior. But anyway, Mickey James came out to commentary, uh, filling in for D'Lo Brown, who was still out after being attacked by um, a group of members from Ring of Honor the, on the week prior's episode. So she was ringside uh, for this Tasha Steeles match, came out with Savannah Evans, going up against Chelsea Green. That Green challenged Steeles last week 
after Steeles ran up on her, interrupted Green's interview with um, one Chelsea Green and her husband, Matt Cardona. This was a good match. A lot of back and forth. Uh, Green had some offense in the beginning. Uh, but the bottom line was this. Steeles hit a crucifix bomb for the win. Uh, match wasn't bad. Kind of was stagnant at times. But it was overall, it was a good match. Steeles, James had a couple of stairs. Uh, Steeles is currently the number one contender for James' title. Uh, after winning the Hard to Kill Ultimate X match just two weeks ago. After the match, Steeles took the mic, talked trash about Green. She turned her focus on to Mickey James and told her she was happy she was done playing with the Barbie dolls because now she's walking on the wrong side of the street where Steeles is lurking. She told James that whenever they get their date, she's going to send James back to her husband and son as a failure. James got in the ring and brawled with Steeles. James had the upper hand until uh, Savannah Evans got involved, but Green came out to help James and clear the ring. You could just see how happy uh, Chelsea Green was was uh, to be there to, to help save Mickey James. We know how bad uh, Chelsea Green wanted to, um, you know, either feud or join Mickey James as uh, part of a tag team in the WWE Women's Division at one point. Um, I'm sure the the sentiments were the same for Mickey James. I had heard even at one point that Chelsea Green had a. Uh, Talked about even teasing teasing an angle where she was like a super fan stalker uh, to Mickey James in a similar way how Mickey James was with Trish Stratus. So, you know, although it is at Impact Wrestling, it's not quite WWE, but it is good to see uh, the two of them uh, line up uh, in some capacity. Then we get to see the inspiration kind of promo. And before I talk any further about that, I'm going to cut to a report that I had heard yesterday. A uh, new report has been revealed, uh, thanks to Fightful Select, that WWE offered the inspiration, formerly known as the Iconics, uh, Peyton Royce, and uh, Billy Kay, um, now known as Cassie Lee and Jesse McKay. Uh, they were offered spots in the 2022 Royal Rumble match. However, the duo uh, who were released from WWE last year turned down the opportunity. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. You know, I know Mickey James didn't do that. She did accept it as the Impact Women's World Champion. Uh, we do know that the uh, inspiration are the uh, women's tag team champions of Impact, and to each his own. But kudos to them for saying no. Just because you're usually typically known as the biggest show in town, and I get it, it's a core four pay-per-view, Royal Rumble, just like the WrestleMania or SummerSlam Survivor Series, it's a big deal. You should be honored, typically, uh, to be invited to such. But you were just let go, and had you not been let go, you typically would have been the Rumble as you were the last couple of years. So... Really, thanks, but no thanks. You know, it's kind of like getting dumped and saying, yeah, you know, my current girl's hot, but, like, you can come out and, and go on a date with us, like, tomorrow night, too. Like, no. Like, I'm good, and I get why they do what they did. I respect it. Now, the the inspiration, uh, they were part of the WWE roster for several years, 2015 to 2021. They're known as the Iconics, as I had mentioned. Uh, they're a big part of, uh, you know, the women's tag team division. Obviously, a lot of people didn't agree with it. I was one of those people. But they took the tag team titles off of Sasha Banks and Bayley at WrestleMania 35 here in Jersey, uh, becoming the the second uh, women's tag team champions. I thought Sasha and uh, Bayley deserved a longer reign. I would have had no problem with the Iconics winning sometime down the road, but it is what it is. Um, you know, the team was eventually split up in 2020. That was pretty much the beginning of the end for Billy Kay, honestly for both of them. But at least Peyton Royce got to get some matches under her belt. Um 
you know, Billy Kay realistically didn't do much, although she did have a tag team match at WrestleMania last year in that big uh, women's tag match. She did team with Carmella, if I'm not mistaken. Peyton Royce wasn't even on the card. So, yeah, it was just a whole mess once they had split them up, really. And uh, they signed to Impact in October, debuted at Bound for Glory, winning the Knockouts Tag Team champion, uh, Championships from uh, The Decay, which is Rosemary and Havoc. Um, and they still hold them to this day. You know, last but not least, uh, they turned down the offer saying that they didn't think it was the right time to return to WWE, which I couldn't agree more, uh, just after being released six to eight months ago, uh, even for this one-off, as, as they are happy with their current path. So kudos to Cassie Lee and, and Jesse, Kay, uh, Jesse McKay, rather. and uh, hey, keep doing what you're doing, you know what I mean? That, that's all I could say about that. We got to see The Learning Tree, VSK, and Zicky Dice with Brian Myers go up against W. Morrissey. That was quick work, light work, call what you want. W. Morrissey got the victory. As we all anticipated, calls out Moose. And, uh, you know, it looks like uh, Morrissey is, I'm not going to say full-blown, but it looks like Morrissey is uh, going for the face turn here. I get it. Inevitably so, going up against one uh, Moose, who is a big-time heel, uh, who is the champion. Um, but, yeah, interesting to see, nonetheless. See what happens there. Uh, then we saw Steve Macklin go up against the Ring of Honor champion, Jonathan Gresham, in a Ring of Honor world title match. This was a really good match. Um, you know, I did think Gresham would retain. I didn't think they were going to have both champions drop in back-to-back -back weeks. Last week, we saw uh, Roxy uh, lose her title uh, to Deanna Perrazzo, who is the new Ring of Honor uh, women's world champion. So not only did I think that uh, Macklin would win it, but that'd be awfully funny if, uh, you know, for those who are unaware, Deanna Perrazzo and Steve Macklin are a couple, as far as I know, they're still together. Uh, that'd be awfully funny to see them, uh, this couple, now is the new uh, Ring of Honor World Champions. I'm sure they could have made a hell of a storyline out of it, being that they're both heels. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Gresham did retain, and that then took us to another match. Uh, we got to see... Uh, Doc Gallows, one half of the Impact Tag Team Champions, and Joe Doring uh, go up against Heath and Rhino. I mean, it was it was a good tag match. I don't know what else to say. Uh, there's nothing uh, to write home about. Am I going to go back and watch it? No, I'm not. Uh, it was a tag match. Take it for what it's worth. Gallows and Doring got the job done. Let's take it to the main event, shall we? Uh, let's take it to the main event, which was what I one of the reasons I really tuned in. Uh, the main reason, other than like the Gresham match. Um, this was the main event with Charlie Haas, his debut in Impact Wrestling. You know, we saw him for the first time last week in Impact at all. Uh, challenge uh, the walking weapon, Josh Alexander. And now we see Charlie Haas having his first match in Impact. May have been his last. Who knows? So the walking weapon, Josh Alexander, and Haas had a pretty good bout. Obviously, uh, Haas had some obvious ring rust. Uh, it's to be expected. But he's he says he's going to continue to wrestle, uh, taking bookings. What's, what's really left to say here is Josh Alexander got the job done, as anticipated. I don't think we expected Charlie Haas to come in his first match on Impact and beat a young stud uh, in Josh Alexander. Alexander just keeps getting better and better and better every time I see him. Um, ever since I started really tuning back into Impact about a year ago or so, watching it more on a daily basis, um, not religiously every week, but when I do catch a pay-per-view or a, uh, a special or just an Impact on the Thursday night, um, you know, Josh Alexander really sticks out to me. He's no nonsense. He gets the job done. Nothing fancy. And, and that was that. So, you know, after the match, um, you know, Chris Saban, by the way, was sitting ringside for this match. 
And then the Ring of Honor guys, the same ones that went went out and attacked D'Lo Brown the prior week, came out and started causing havoc on these guys. Um, you know, we saw Tevin, we saw Mike Bennett, uh, we saw uh, PCO, uh, we saw Vinny. Um, of course, Maria Can- Maria Canellis was with them. So, you know, they want, went on to attack them, and then the Impact guys started coming to to assist. Uh, first, we saw Saban go in and said enough is enough, and dropped his headset and went in there. We went on to see uh, Willie Mack and Rich Swan, Heath and Rhino, and then Eddie Edwards uh, said enough is enough. He came in there with a kendo stick and made sure he cleared the ring of any uh, Ring of Honor guys. The Ring of Honor crew, right before they went off air, uh, went up top to their little balcony, upper tier, rafters thing, wherever they hang out to watch the matches and uh, and stalk. They went on to say, you know, talking about the Ring of Honor group and how they had honor and so on and so forth. So it, it led me to believe that Maria Canellis gave uh, or mentioned the stable's new name, and that seems to be Honor No More. So... You know, I'm not crazy about the name. I like how they added uh, honor in there in some capacity, but uh, not the wittiest thing I've ever heard of. But hey, is what it is. So uh, we also did find out that Moose will be defending his Impact World Championship title uh, against W. Morrissey at No Surrender on February 19th. So that much we did find out. And uh, that was pretty much Impact in a nutshell. So we start off SmackDown this week. Uh, with the Usos. They were already in the ring, Jimmy and Jay. They go on to say that they are here for one reason and one reason only, to acknowledge the longest reigning WWE Universal Champion, who at the time had been champion for 508 days. They say they have been there have been a few big names to hold the Universal title, but not for very long. Not Kevin Owens, not Seth Rollins, not current WWE Champion Brock Lesnar, but there is one, the head of the table, the Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns. They go on with the big old introduction for Roman. Music hits, comes out Roman to a very loud reaction as anticipated. Reigns goes and stops on the way to the ring and raises the strap in the air. His pyro and all that goes off. He hits the ring, more pyro. Fans booing, fans cheering. Reigns goes on to take the mic and tells Nashville to acknowledge him. And before he can speak, the music interrupts and out comes Seth freaking Rollins to mixed reaction, I guess you could say. Rollins asks, what kind of party would this be without him? He gives them props for the video package, congratulates Reigns. Rollins says, we should celebrate the fact that a title reign will be ending soon, and for Reigns uh, making a man out of him last week. Rollins goes on about how Reigns took what he said literally and sent his cousin to Raw, to, cousin, his cousin Sue Raw to speak for him. Again, alluding to uh, them coming out to end the, at the end of his match against Bobby Lashley and hitting uh, Seth simultaneously with a super kick to end the show. Rollins goes on and says, we should be celebrating the longest reigning SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Usos. Rollins says the Usos are the cornerstones of Reigns' success, and all this wouldn't even be possible if Reigns didn't have them uh, uh, by his side. Which, he's not completely wrong, but, you know, Reigns is still doing a damn thing. Reigns says Rollins comes out here and makes the same excuses. He wonders if Cena wrote that for him, uh, saying it's the same exact thing. Reigns promises their their Royal Rumble match will be one-on-one, and he will win. Rollins tells Reigns to put his money where his mouth is. Rollins offers to find a partner to face the Usos, and if they win, the Usos the Usos will both be banned from ringside at the Royal Rumble. Usos agree and say we've got a main event. Usos say Rollins is crazy and he won't be able to find anyone in the back to deal with him. So yeah, they're good. Rollins says they have a point, but music interrupts. There comes KO. Owens joins Rollins on stage. 
yada, yada, yada. We get a match for later that night, which will be the main event. The Usos going up against Seth Rollins and, and Kevin Owens. Get Kofi Kingston. Uh, another rematch from last week. Kofi Kingston versus Mad Cat Moss. This time, Kofi Kingston got the job done. Didn't hurt uh, him having Big E ringside uh, to take care of any funny business that may have included one happy Corbin or if Mad Cat Moss tried to cheat in any capacity. So that was that. You know, just kind of whatever, really. Uh, Going to see yet again another rematch from last week. Aaliyah versus Natalia. Uh, this one ended up in a disqualification by Natalia. Uh, they also, this is where a lot of people on Twitter had a lot to say um, when they pan the Summer Rae before the match because they're trying to build up that uh, that beef that Summer Rae and Natalya had on Total Divas like six years ago. Kind of silly. Uh, but anything for a storyline, they refer to Summer Rae as WWE legend. Uh, now, I'm not going to go in here and, and talk smack about Summer Rae. Enough of you already have. Um, bottom line is WWE get it together. All right, there's very, 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 very. I can't emphasize anymore. Very few that are actually legends uh, that were in WWE. Um, can we refer to her as WWE alumni? I think it's appropriate, and I think Summer Rae would have had no qualms about it. I think she knows she's not a legend. There's very few women that are actually even legends. Uh, not to mention a Summer Rae. So WWE alumni, Summer Rae was in attendance to help, uh, you know, brew up this feud with Natalia, if you want to call it. They'll probably have one moment at the Rumble, and that's it. Anyway, uh, Natalia got the disqualification, which led to a victory, technically, for Aaliyah. Good for her. And then the protector, who we haven't seen in well over a month since she came out to help Naomi with Shayna Baszler and, and Sonya Deville, we get to see Zia Lee come out. Zia Lee uh, came out. Uh, Natalia went scrambling. She left, and that was pretty much that. Um, yeah, so they really don't know what to do with uh, Zia Lee either, which is a shame. really is. After that, we went on to see Los Lotharios go up uh, in a tag team bout against the Viking Raiders. The Viking Raiders, long story short, went on to win this match. Then, you know, I was personally disappointed because um, I really thought that this was going to be an actual match. Silly me. Uh, silly me for not uh, taking into consideration they're going to go on with this pointless, uh, what is it, four-month, five-month now storyline between Sonya Deville and Naomi that needs to end effective immediately? It's absolutely absurd. There's no real substance to this uh, to this whole issue Sonya has with Naomi. It is so ridiculous. Anyway, this was supposed to be a championship contenders match between uh, Naomi and Charlotte Flair. Again, silly me for thinking this is going to be an actual match because they actually let these two uh, go head-to-head -head two weeks ago and had a great match. They really did. It was a great match. If I'm not mistaken, Charlotte got the got the victory. Um, but again, it was a great match, and I was anticipating uh, not only a great match, but I thought Naomi was going to get the job done, maybe for a title match at the Royal Rumble. Or uh, even uh, the night before the Rumble on SmackDown. Anyway, that didn't happen, unfortunately. Uh, Sonya Deville, before the match started, uh, said she's going to be the special guest referee. Obviously, you knew from that very point on there would be funny business. Um, you know, Naomi ends up pinning Flair, but Deville acts like she doesn't see it while she's recovering uh, ringside from being bumped off by an accidental hit from Charlotte Flair that sent her there in the first place. So Naomi yells at DeVille. Flair comes behind with a chop block to take her leg out. Flair applies the figure four and bridges into the figure eight for the submission win. It's just stupid. Uh, there's no more to say. It's stupid. This next segment was stupid. 
uh, Sami Zayn doing this for the second or third week in a row, doing this whole insane uh, angle. Uh, it's supposed to be a WWE's version of Jackass. He just looks like one. They have Johnny Knoxville come out, uh, getting people excited for their movie that comes out February 4th, or at least that's what they're attempting to do. Uh, a lot of people actually were excited to see Johnny Knoxville. And, it, it, you know, here's the thing. It's not that I'm not uh, happy to see Knoxville or anything like that, but it's like we we get two hours of SmackDown programming. There's no need for Johnny Knoxville week after week. He's got freaking T-shirts he's promoting as he walks out, throwing them out to the fans. He's taking a spot in the Royal Rumble. It's all just so very ridiculous and a payday for a few people. Anyway, this was ridiculous. Uh, Sami Zayn, Johnny Knoxville, yada, yada, yada. See, Sheamus versus Ricochet. Sheamus got the job done against Ricochet. We saw the return of Ridge Holland. Uh, she Sheamus' protege. We haven't seen him uh, si in three weeks since the day one pay-per-view uh, where Ricochet seemingly uh, broke his nose or shattered his face or his eye socket, whatever, uh, from that brutal uh, kick landing right on him. But it looks like Ridge Holland's good to go. I don't know if he's just coming out. I don't know if he's actually cleared to wrestle. But nonetheless, he was there. So Sheamus beat Ricochet uh, for the unteenth time. And so now it's main event time. It's a, it's a big deal because we got uh, the Usos going up against Seth freaking Rollins and Kevin Owens. It's a big deal. If Rollins and Owens win, then the Usos are banned from ringside for Rollins and Reigns' match at the Royal Rumble for the Universal Championship. It's a really big deal. So uh, this was, you know, a pretty good match. Lo and behold, um, the, Us the Usos were about to take the L, at least so it seemed. And then Reigns comes out and interferes. He gives Seth a Superman punch. Um, and simply put, winners by disqualification, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens. Um, and with that being said, the Usos are, are banned from ringside at the Royal Rumble match. And now it gives Seth a better probability because now we know there's going to be no interference from the bloodline at all. And we're going to run through this Rampage review of AEW and them... I'll run through the, uh, some of the Rumble entrance, and we're out of here. All right? So stick with me just a little bit longer, and I promise you that, uh, I mean, I, I know you're enjoying this, but I'm, I'm just letting you know, okay? So before I start this AEW Rampage uh, review real quick here, I uh, do want to go over the current status, uh, which most of you by now probably heard over the weekend, of one Leo Rush. Um, Leo Rush tweeted out over the weekend, on February 14th, 2022, my contract will expire with AEW, and I will become a free agent. For all booking inquiries, please email leorushnow at gmail.com. You heard it. Get to it. If you're interested in Leo Rush. Now, I personally love Leo Rush as a pro wrestler. Just like I personally love a lot of actors and actresses and musicians uh, for what they do, for their craft, right? He wrestles. I love musicians for their music or their artistry or how they can write a good song or actors and great movies or sitcoms. But I don't always agree with what they do. Uh, Outside of that, and I don't agree with a lot of the things Leo Rush does outside of that, and I say that because he always seems to find himself in some kind of controversy. He did it in NXT four years ago. He had issues with WWE. Um, when he retired briefly in the spring or summer, I think he was still with New Japan, so he kind of just up and left them. Then he's back with AEW, and then he's had some issues. I, I think a lot of this really stems from the whole Big Swole situation, uh, Big Swole situation last month. And regardless how you felt about that, uh, no matter what side of the fence you're on about that, I'm not here to uh, discuss who's right and who's wrong. What I will say is there's certain ways you go about some things, right? And I think, you know, him tweeting in all caps uh, to his boss, the owner of AEW, uh, Tony Khan, 
uh, I forget the exact wording, uh, you better apologize now or make sure you apologize or something like that. Uh, that wasn't the right move. Uh, I'm not saying Tony Khan was right in that instance, but what I will say is Leo Rush should have requested to meet with Tony Khan, gave him his two cents. I think it would have been received much better. Whether Tony Khan agreed with him or not, that remains to be seen. But I think that would have been a lot more enlightening and professional uh, to do than just to blast your boss on Twitter, on social media, get people riled up. Yes, Leo Rush is a star. Nobody's going to deny that. Uh, but at the same token, you know, this is a job. It is a career. That is your boss. And even though you will not agree with everything he says or does, or they say or do, which, hey, I'm the first one. Uh, I'm a rebel myself. Um, but there's ways to go about things. And, um, you know, standing up for what is right, I understand. But at the same token, there's, again, there's ways to go about things. Set up a conference call, a Zoom, phone call, text, email. Uh, reach out to Cody. Maybe Cody could send something up with you guys. I don't know. There is just so many ways this could have been handled, and it was mishandled. And as an employee standpoint, I feel like that's what led to the demise of Leo Rush being with AEW. And it's unfortunate. Uh, again, I'm a Leo Rush fan. What he does outside the ring or on social media or whatever, I may not always agree with. But I like watching him wrestle. You know, my wife, she likes watching him wrestle. He's great. He's young. He's got a whole career ahead of him. Um... So all the best to Leo Rush, man. It's a shame that he's kind of like burned bridges with uh, WWE and seemingly AEW. And I don't know his current stance with New Japan Pro Wrestling after retiring suddenly in the spring or early summer. So uh, what's what's that leave for him? Impact. Um, you know, All Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, just work the indies. Um, MLW, possibly. That's very likely. So So we'll see what happens with Leo Rush going forward. But that was pretty much that. That was my two cents on the whole situation. And that leads us to uh, the last show of the week, uh, at least that I'm going over, AEW Rampage. Now we start off with the return of John Moxley versus Ethan Page. I'm going to be honest with you, man. After Moxley not wrestling in the better part of three or four months, first of all, I'd never want to be an opponent for one John Moxley, especially not his return match. So the good thing about Ethan Page is I don't know his exact height and weight. But I do know he is a big dude, and he's stocky. He's strong. Somebody that could, you know, take a beating and live with it and could also dish it out. Don't get me wrong. This was a good match. Um, you know, they, they get going. Ethan Page poses for the fans. They, they boo him. Bell sounds. They lock up. Uh, Mox backs him into a corner. Ethan Page shoves him down to escape. The fans boo as he throws up the arrogant double biceps pose. We've seen it time and time again. They're trading chops. Uh, he's chopping the heck out of Page. Follows that up with a running back elbow. Gets Page in the corner. Bites away at his head, <laughs> as we saw him do to uh, 10 uh, in his final appearance before leaving in October. Uh, this time it wasn't bloody, thank goodness. Uh, I'm not opposed to seeing blood, but after seeing a spot like that, like I just want to see wrestling, honestly. If I want to see a horror flick... I'll turn on a gory horror flick. Uh, so anyway, this was a pretty good match. Uh, they went at it on the floor, on the ringside. Uh, Mox shift the momentum uh, to his favor for the most part. Rams Page into a steel guardrail. Rolls Page back into the ring. Stops uh, to acknowledge the cheers from the fans. Uh, this backfires on him. Page catches him coming through the ropes and begins working on him. 
You know, a lot of back and forth going on here, but lo and behold, uh, this match turned out to be a solid match. Uh, wasn't great, but it was good, without question. Moxley looked good. Moxley looked good. Uh, you could tell it's been an adjustment for him. Um, it's, he's definitely got to get his, uh, I'm, I would never say ring rust. He hasn't been gone that long, but you could tell, um, you know, he's getting acclimated to, to, to from being gone for like a, the better part of a whole season. Moxley got the victory. This should have been the main event, in my opinion. Uh, not just because it was Moxley's return match, but for what we saw after it. We saw him going through the stands, as he always does when he comes in and leaves. Very Shield-style, Ambrose. And after the match, he turns around, and Brian Danielson's there to confront him. Uh, we're going to see this, I guess, face tweener, Moxley for the time being. Um, and uh, the continuation of a heel, Brian Danielson. We're going to see this, probably a match at uh, Revolution in March. And they're probably going to tease this in the weeks leading up to it. So uh, this should be good. This should be really, really good. I'm looking forward to it. If you're not looking forward to this, I'm not going to call you crazy, but I mean, why wouldn't you want to see this? I mean, really. It's going to be a great match, really. So after this, uh, like I said, we were supposed to see a tag team matchup. Ends up we saw uh, Nick Jackson of the Young Bucks go up against uh, one Trent Beretta. This was a hell of a match. You know, I can't remember the last time I saw. Uh, we see Trent Beretta in singles matches rather often. I know we've seen a couple in the last couple of weeks. Believe against Adam Cole, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I can't recall the last time I've seen Nick Jackson in a singles capacity. Uh, this was a really good match, though. Very, very, very good match. Uh, I was surprised, but not completely. Uh, Trent Beretta got the win in this one. So I'll say this. Everything about Hook has been great through, for the past month and a half since his debut on Rampage. I believe all of his matches have been on Rampage, and that's exactly where his matches need to be. Uh, slow build. Slow build. They're, they're pacing them out there perfectly. They really are. And it's honestly awesome to see Hook out there. From his demeanor, from his entrance music, to his lighting, it's very simple and plain, just like his style, but he gets the job done. And that's what he did again against Serpentico. Uh, this match was just a few minutes, uh, and he got the job done. As Hook's walking up the ring, hearing QT Marshall blab his mouth about him, he turns Marshall inside out with a big suplex, puts him right on his head, before heading to the back, and walks right over him. And I loved how they just continued to show Hook walk through the, the heel tunnel uh, without a bother. Like, he took care of business and he's going back. He's not getting hyped about it. He just handles his business handles his business like a true professional, gets the job done. Hook kind of reminds me of like Kawhi Leonard in the sense of they're here for a reason, to get the job done, to do what they're great at, and that's it. That's the bottom line. I'm not here to be showy. I'm not here to be fancy. Uh, hopefully Hook has a better laugh than Kawhi Leonard if we're ever to hear it. But again, two guys that just go about their business uh, within their industry, and that's plain and simple. So I'm not quite sure what Hook's record is, and maybe 4-0 or 5-0 at this point, um, at least as far as Rampage. He may be racking up some wins on Dark. I haven't seen him on Dark. Uh, I don't watch that all that often as I do like Dynamite. And Rampage, hence the reviews for only Dynamite and Rampage. But uh, Hook's well on his way, man. He is well on his way. So this leads us to our main event of the night. This is the TBS Championship match where Jade Cargill, 24-0 uh, Jade Cargill, defense against Dark Orders Anna Jay. This match was good. Uh, good, not great. Um, and I feel like that's what it's going to be as long as Jade is... The champion, the TBS champion, it's no knock to Jade. She's not bad, but she's not great. Uh, she's got a great look, uh, great theme music. Everything's honestly great, except uh, 
where she needs to be at wrestling-wise, and um, I would even go as far as to say her promo ability. It's no knock to her, though. It's just the facts. Um, you know, I'm not here to slander anybody, but it's just the bottom line. I think we could all agree on that, that, that Jade has Superstar written all over her. It's just, um, <clears throat> she's not there yet. Um, so, anyway, this match was okay at best. This, in my opinion, I know a title was on the line. This did not deserve to be the main event. Again, I think it would have made more sense to put Moxley and Paige in the main event, especially teasing that Brian Danielson at the end. Going off air, I think that would have been perfect. Would have left people talking. So Jade Cargill got the win. She's 25-0. I believe this is her first title defense uh, since winning it uh, two weeks ago on AEW Dynamite, the uh, initial debut episode on TBS when she defeated uh, Ruby Soho for uh, to become champion. So um, we'll see. Uh, they're giving Jade longer matches. That's not necessarily working to her benefit. Uh, she's better in the, uh, she's much better in the squash or semi-squash business, in and out. Um, the longer the match goes, the more it exposes um, her weaknesses, um, her lack of, um, her lack of repetitions in the ring, really. Uh, big time fights, big time matches, and that's just the bottom line. It, again, it just comes down to experience. It's, it's really not a knock to Jade Cargill. I, again, I think she'll be great. Um, but she's just not quite there yet. I know she's the champion, but nonetheless, we'll see who her uh, opponent is uh, next up. I think she's going to continue to run through competition. As I've said in prior episodes, I think she's going to be TBS champion at least until May. And I say that because uh, after she defeated Anna Jay on Rampage, uh, they put up a graphic you know, with Jade, TBS championship, big old 25-0 and 0 on the screen. And you better believe that's going to continue. Every time she beats said competitor, we're going to look to the screen. And 26, 27, 30, 40. I see, personally, I see Jade making it maybe to about the 50 win mark. I could see her either losing at 50 or losing at 51, honestly. Because once she hits around that area, um, I could see her then dropping. Uh, to whom, I'm not quite sure just yet. But yeah, I, I see her extending her championship run at least through the next four months, potentially losing at double or nothing in May, and uh, you know, and, and we'll see what happens. So that was my AEW Rampage uh, review, if you will, and that was pretty much it. I know you're like, damn, this is two hours. I'm still listening. If you're still listening, props to you, really. Um, so yeah, I think I covered everything I wanted to. What I do want to run down real quick before I get the heck out of here is um, the list of men and women that we have so far for the Royal Rumble this Saturday. Now, as far as I'm concerned, they have listed 21, uh, 21 of the 30 women for, uh, obviously, the Women's Royal Rumble. And as far as the men are concerned, I believe they've only mentioned uh, the first 15. So we're still we still got halfway to go. So for the Men's Royal Rumble, I'll just get this name out of the way. Uh, we got Johnny Knoxville. Can't even believe I'm saying this still. Hasn't even set in. <laughs> we got Johnny Knoxville, Angelo Dawkins, and Montez Ford of the Street Profits, Austin Theory, Rey Mysterio, and Dominic Mysterio, Sheamus, AJ Styles, Damian Priest, Big E, Baron Corbin, Mad Cat Moss, Sami Zayn, Kofi Kingston, and Kevin Owens. Those are the 15 men who have been announced so far for the Men's Royal Rumble. 
I'm sure, and and I and I hope I'm completely wrong. Uh, I believe they're probably going to add Omas in at some point, probably last minute. Probably be one of the guys we uh, don't hear uh, prior to the show. Will be a quote unquote surprise. And I really hope it doesn't lead to that Omas victory. I really do not think that's what's best for business. I know there's been rumblings of, you know, Bobby Lashley potentially taking the title off of Brock Lesnar this Saturday at the Rumble. Omas winning the Rumble, then Omas challenging Lashley for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. That has nightmare written all over it. Really does, uh, especially they're both on the Raw brand. So let's hope to God uh, that is not the case. Nobody wants to see that. Women's Royal Rumble, we have, again, as I mentioned, 21 of the 30 entrants have been announced. Start off with uh, Carmella, Dana Brooke, Nikki A.S.H., Zelina Vega, or Queen Zelina, Tamina, Rhea Ripley, SmackDown Women's Champion Charlotte Flair, Aaliyah, Naomi, Natalya, Shayna Baszler, Shotzi, not Shotzi Blackheart, I'm pretty sure they dropped the Blackheart as... They, Vince doesn't like two names for some reason, for most for the most part. So she's just Shotzi. Uh, we have the Bella Twins, uh, Brie and Nikki, Lita, Kelly Kelly, Michelle McCool, which which uh, there has been reports brewing that The Undertaker will be at the Royal Rumble, but obviously it's not for him to be coming out in any capacity. He will be there to support his wife, Michelle McCool, in the Women's Royal Rumble. Again, we have Summer Rae, Impact Women's World Champion, Mickey James, the EST of WWE, Bianca Belair, and number 21 of the 21 named thus far, Liv Morgan. So that's the Men's Royal Rumble so far, the Women's Royal Rumble roster so far. WWE Championship match slated for the night. We have champion Brock Lesnar challenging Bobby Lashley. We have the WWE Universal Champion, the head of the table, Roman Reigns, taking on Seth Freakin' Rollins. We have the WWE Raw Women's Championship defended. We have uh, Big Time Bex, Becky Lynch going up against Dewdrop, And then the only other match that is scheduled as of this very moment, uh, we have the Rated R Superstar Edge and uh, Beth Phoenix going up against The Miz and Maurice in a mixed tag team match. So we just have those six matches. Do I think they may add one or two more? Yeah, we may see a tag team match again. Maybe we'll see Alpha Academy versus RK Bro. Could totally see that happening. Uh, maybe the Usos versus the Viking Raiders. Uh, something along those lines. But uh, I think pretty much, for the most part, that will be it. We'll, we won't see Shinsuke defending his uh, IC title. He still may be injured. Um, as we s haven't seen him wrestle in weeks, he's just been in segments and ringside for Rick Boogs during his matches on SmackDown. Um, you know, and, and the U.S. title will not be defended either, as far as I'm concerned. You know, we're going to see Damian Priest in the Men's Royal Rumble match. Uh, so that's that. So... Folks, I appreciate you hanging out with me for the last two hours. Really do. Thanks for sticking it out. Um, you know, later this week, I will be having my uh, WWE Royal Rumble Predictions episode out. Going to probably bring along an old buddy, old pal of mine, just Justin. And uh, we'll give you our predictions and, and let you know who we see uh, winning the men's and women's Royal Rumble match, as well as all the championship bouts and the mixed tag match and whatever else they may add in uh, from now up until then. So that was Pat's Weekly Report. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in to the Turnbuckle Topics podcast. I am your host, Pat Deneen, and I will see you next time. Thanks again. Got a question for Pat? Send him an email at turnbuckletopics at gmail.com. That's turnbuckle, T-O-P-I-X, at gmail.com. Find him on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Turnbuckle Topics. 
Thanks for listening to the Turnbuckle Topics Podcast. Be sure to subscribe. If you like the show, help others find out about it. Leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us next time for another episode of Turnbuckle Topics. See you then.